0: You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition podcast. Episode 022.
1: Welcome to the Godly
0: MBA, Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter. Hello, Katie Butler here. Welcome to the MBA podcast. Once in a while, when we are privileged enough to meet a mentor, all we want to do is just sit at his or her feet to listen and learn. Well, today's episode is one of those moments. If you are in the position that you can take out your notepad and pen, now is the time to do so. Otherwise, you just have to re-listen to it. Our guest today is Mark Sheffer. Mark is an internationally acclaimed college educator, author, speaker, and strategy consultant. He has given speeches and workshops for some of the biggest brands on the planet. Those brands, including the top Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, Cisco, Dell, Mark, AT&T, and more. In this interview, Mark has so graciously imparted much wisdom to us about the practical lessons how to stand out in a noisy world as business owners, and two common mistakes of entrepreneurs when it comes to social media marketing, myth of turning passion to profits. Haven't we heard a lot about that? Also, the economic reasons about why you need to be active in social media platforms. Now, if I gonna stand here and telling you that all the benefits and lessons about this episode, we will stay here forever. So, no further ado. Let's check with Mark. Hello, Mark. It's a huge honor and pleasure for me that you said yes to be on the show.
1: Oh, I'm delighted to be here. It's uh, just amazing to finally meet you face to face. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Thank you for having me.
0: You know, Mark, it's for most of us today, you know, we look into your business in life. I mean, we see wonderful picture of achievement and success. Your credential is massive, but would you mind sharing a little bit your journey? How did you get here, and how the faith impacts in this journey?
1: Well, obviously, you know I've worked very hard. You know, I th- I think a lot of people look at uh, I'm a 30 year overnight success.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, only okay.
1: <laughs> only 30 years. Uh, you know I grew up in a very modest environment it would be probably considered poor by American standards so I, I really grew up with with I mean I had enough food to eat but I mean anything else I wanted I had to find money if I wanted a bicycle if I wanted if I wanted shoes I would have to earn money so basically I was always, I was always working, hustling, (laughs) trying to find money uh, because I wanted things. (laughs) Mm. So I was an entrepreneur, really, since the time of I was five or six years old, really. I was always doing something to create money. And um, I started out as a journalism major, and that turned out to be a really good idea because the skills I learned in journalism really serve me well today. I think journalism is a It's really a great field to to get into a lot of different career disciplines. I started out working for a newspaper for a while, then I got into public relations because I really wanted to get into marketing. I took a few marketing classes when I was in um, college and just fell in love with it. And then I had a mentor and uh, I saw the amazing things that he did to create new products and new jobs. And that's what I wanted to do. I mean, marketing is really at the cutting edge of business. It's creating new value, new products, and new customers. And that's what I wanted to do. So I would say I got into marketing probably in the late 90s, I want to say. Maybe the, yeah, probably mid to late 90s. And uh, I've had just a, a wonderful career. I've had lots of great opportunities To work with many brands. Uh, I started my own company in 2008. I started to consult and started to teach and uh, my business really took off right from the beginning. I mean, it started slow, had to be very humble, didn't say no to anything, but I learned and grew. And uh, so today uh, I'm an author. I've written five uh, business books that have sold very well. I'm very fortunate about that. I have a popular blog and a popular podcast. I speak all over the world. I've taught at Rutgers University for uh, six, almost seven years now. And that's been very rewarding. They've been very good to me there. And uh, so I do a lot.
0: Yeah. So here's a question. Sometimes we thought, aren't we questions should be the best marketers? As we know, the value of be compassionate. You know, suppose that we should be quite good at put ourselves in our audience shoes, but why we often still find ourselves struggle, and how can we close that gap?
1: Well, that's a really great question, and you know, there's some there's some really wonderful Christians in this field that I rely on for uh, support and help. You know, it's I'm a competitive person. You know, I like to achieve. I like to win. And sometimes it's really easy to get knocked off center in this field. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there that the entry barriers to working in social media marketing are pretty low. Anybody who says they love Facebook, they hang up a shingle and they say they're social media marketing's but just because you love animals, that doesn't make you a veterinarian,
0: exactly.
1: uh, you know? So just because you love Facebook doesn't mean you know anything about marketing, but the entry barriers are pretty low. And then there's a tremendous amount of frustration about that. I just see a churn about that all the time. And I think you just have to continue to think about every day, every minute. How do I be more giving? How do I be more generous? How do I be gracious? How do I be uh, more patient? Um, how do I follow a path that Christ would want me to follow? And not only follow the path, but really set an example. you know? And I, and I think I've been just tremendously blessed to have a forum, especially on my blog, where I, I have readers from all over the world, thousands of readers from all over the world. And people tell me, There's something different about you. There's something different about your community. And that means it's coming through that, you know, I want people to know there's a different way to be, that we don't have to be hateful. We don't have to be petty, that we can, we can love each other. We can nurture each other. We can, we can lift each other up. And that's, that's what I, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to show. I'm not always successful, (laughs) but I hope that's my trajectory.
0: Well, I, it totally show you know, your generosity, I would say, from your content. Now since we are on, on that topic, one of the most frequent, frequent asked questions from my audience is they don't have problem to give. You know, It's like a balance of get that transaction in versus free content delivery to build the trust, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love. Uh, your book the content code there was a sentence say you know there's a fine line between being helpful or being obnoxious right so so can you kind of share with us what what is a value of self-promotion and how do we find that fine line
1: I'm probably the wrong person to ask because (laughs) i (laughs) I, I hate self-promotion I don't I don't really do it enough you know it's just I, I I'm just a humble person I like putting other people first I don't really ever sell on my blog I don't uh you know i, I like I'm working on a new book right now I haven't even talked about it you know I'll probably talk about it when it's ready <laughs> i'll probably i'll probably talk about it when it's on amazon <laughs> you know but it's you know, a lot of the other authors out there, they just talk about their new book for months and months and months and months and months. And uh, I'm just not comfortable doing that. And I think that's right or wrong. It's probably part of my brand that, you know, maybe people are attracted to me and are interested in me because I'm not self-promotional. But I mean, I think you have to do some self-promotion and it's a service to people. Not to be spammy and obnoxious, but to just tell people, this is what I do. So you know what I do. So maybe I can help you.
0: So being a helpful position. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, you need to have, you need to have a balance. I mean, I probably try to get a word in there about my books or speaking, you know, occasionally, but I mean, I think for most people, if you're posting content, maybe one out of every 15 or one out of every 20 posts, you know, it's okay to say something about your business. But, um, you know, I've been very blessed in that, um, because I guess of, of my brand, the pipeline pretty much stays full. I mean, I've, I've never really had to do too much business development. I get calls on a regular basis from, uh, you know, big companies and brands or people that want me to go out and speak. So I, I, I haven't really spent, I haven't spent a dime on advertising. Really, all the marketing I do is through the content that I that I post on the web.
0: And probably also word of mouth referral.
1: Yeah, let's hope so.
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love how you say the alpha audience. Can you yeah. share with us what does that mean, alpha audience?
1: Well, the history of that term is, um, that comes from my, my new book, The Content Code. Perhaps... That was self-promotional.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: But, um, but really, I mean, I, I, I became obsessed with this problem that we all face as marketers. And it's this, how do we stand out in a noisy world? If you look at the data, if you look at the amount of content that is being published, it's overwhelming. It's, it's really, really hard to stand out in the world today. And so I'm a marketing strategist and I needed to figure this out. I, I can't just tell my customers, you're going to be worse off a year from now than you are today because the competition is going up, up, up. We need to figure this out. So the core idea behind the book is that producing content isn't enough anymore. Two years ago, three years ago, maybe, yes. Maybe it was enough because content was still perhaps a novelty. Blogs and videos were still getting traction. Perhaps it was still a novelty. But today it's not. Content budgets are way, way up. Content production is, there's literally a tidal wave of content coming at us. And so there is no economic value in publishing. Mm. Zero. The only economic value in creating content for social media is if the content gets seen and if the content gets shared. That is the economic, I mean, if nobody, I mean, we're having fun with this discussion today, but the economic value to you of this conversation is going to be zero unless people in your audience see it and love it and share it to help get our voices known. So the idea behind the book is I came up with six strategies that I know of, six possible strategies to get our content to move, to get it to ignite. And one of those is to really concentrate on not just building an audience, but building an audience of the right people, the people who really share your content. And as I go around the world and I ask businesses everywhere, do you know by name, who shares your content the most? They say no. And this is the bedrock of the business. These are the people who are really driving the economics of the business. This is the alpha audience. These are your best fans, your greatest customers. And there's lots of data to support this, both from lots of different research, from, from the New York Times, from MIT, from Boston Consulting Group, that says the people who share your content They buy the most. They give the most referrals. They affect purchasing decisions. The data behind this is overwhelming. And yet we don't pay attention to this elite group of people. So that is really the first step, an easy step that we can take for a business of any size is to find out who are these people who love us the most? Who shares our content? How do we reward them? How do we acknowledge them? I'll give you a little example. So I saw this, uh, a lady tweeted, she bought all five of my books and she lined them up on her couch and she took a picture of it and she posted it on Twitter. And I thought, this is really extraordinary. This is basically a love note to me. This is not just a tweet. Now, if I just looked at my social media dashboard, that would show up as a mention that would show up as positive sentiment. A dashboard doesn't tell you, you just got a love note. You just found a new member of your alpha audience. And maybe she doesn't publish all the time. Maybe she shares my content in an email, or a direct message, or a text message. Most content is shared that way. But here was a small, strong signal saying, you are special to me. Look at me, I have all five of your books. So I went on her, I found her website, and I found her phone number, and I called her.
0: Wow.
1: And I said, I just want to thank you. I just think this is so amazing and special. Thank you so much for buying my books. And it was the shortest phone call in history because she was absolutely flabbergasted that I, that I called her. But she's – now we've become friends. And she is teaching at a university now, and she assigns my books to her classes, so she's creating a new alpha audience of young people, and they're these are people who are reading and buying and loving my books. So that's really a, a way to build value through your content, as you said. It's it's really hard to monetize content, so you have to you have to use your content to build an audience that will eventually find ways to buy things from you.
0: I'm so glad you gave us this example, Mark. You know, uh, in this. Digital world, it's like we often forgot about it's that human touch is precious. It happened similar thing to me like 2012 when I had my my own book came out. And out of blue, there was somebody bought 50 copies. And I did not know why they buy 50 copies. And I, but then I chased him down and figured, oh, there's an organization they want to have their women Bible study. So then I made some uh, special gift to them and then, you know, send them little little goodie bag for 50 of them. So, you know, they did not expect that, but but that make a notion to say, hey, I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys, and then who knows that 50, you know, trigger right. further. So it's really that what this is, what all we can do, just you say, it doesn't matter you are just solo entrepreneur or you are big companies, mm-hmm. you all mm-hmm. can do this, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And can you maybe also teach us about is any common mistakes that we make in the marketplace, especially in the marketing field, as Christian entrepreneurs?
1: Well, I mean, that's a big question, but let's, maybe let's narrow it down to entrepreneurs. I mean, I think there are a couple big mistakes. Number one is that a lot of people regard social media as another way to advertise, and people are tired of being advertised to. They're sick of being marketed to. And if you try to sell to people on the web, they're going to run away. So you need to move your mindset from sell, sell, sell to help, help, help. And that's very difficult. It's a very, very difficult do to do.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because you, we've been conditioned to that's how we grow our business. You know, to sell. We're not necessarily conditioned to give stuff away, to give our content away, to just be helpful, but you know, I guarantee you it works. I'm I'm living proof that it works. I think another thing, another mistake that people make is that they're they're too impatient as far as their results and the expectations of what they might be doing on social media. The better analogy, I mean some people compare do I spend money on social media or do I spend money on advertising? It's not really a good analogy. It's more like social media. It's more like going to trade shows or professional groups. It may take months or years to get benefit from going to meetings to create new professional contacts. And that's basically how social media works too. I mean, not all the time. Some people get you know, economic benefits right away. But for most businesses, it's about building awareness that leads to trust and trust that leads to loyalty. And that may take years to do. So we, we need to think about social media differently, not like advertising, but more like networking.
0: So if uh, I know the audience now who is listening, they're going to think, so Mark, but I just started out and somehow mm-hmm. I need some income coming in. Yeah. So how do I do that then?
1: Yeah. Well, I would love to be the person to say that all you need to do is set up a Facebook page and the income will roll in. But that's, <laughs> that's not how it works. I mean, it just doesn't. And I'll, I'll give you a statistic to kind of illustrate what I mean there was research that was done last year and they interviewed uh, almost 5,000 marketers. And here is the good news, that over 80% of the marketers that were doing social media marketing in the first year had an increase in awareness, which is amazing. But only about 30% of those businesses had any economic value in the first year. So there's basically a 70% chance that you're not going to have any economic value in the first year. So if you go in thinking social media is going to make me rich, probably it's not. In fact, it showed that most businesses have to do this three, four, five years before there's the payoff. So it's difficult. There may not be a payoff for, for quite some time. Now, having said that, there are lots of other reasons to be on social media other than just marketing. Today, almost any person who's gonna work for you, the first thing they're gonna do is look at your Facebook page. They're gonna look at your Twitter street. Customer service, how are you connecting with your customers? How are you connecting with the people who are already buying something from you? What about just relevance versus your competition? If your competition has a social media presence and you don't, what does that say about your image? Are you going to be relevant in a year or two if you don't have a digital presence? So there are lots of other reasons, good strategic reasons to have a digital presence on the web other than just selling. And, uh... But I think people who are looking to get rich quick by creating some social media presence, it's probably not gonna happen.
0: Yeah. So Mark, I love how you, the other day in your Facebook live, and I was there and you talk about how to get known, right? Mm. So if for somebody, they just started or some small business owner, they just get started. What would you say, maybe three tips or so, that how can they get known to establish that, to, to, to yeah. start the right foot, let's say this way, uh, in this noisy world?
1: Well, I, I think that's such an important question. I think it might be, it's such an important question. I think that's what my next book is going to be about, is to basically teach people how to do that. Because what I see is, There's a lot of, I would say, hype about personal branding. And it usually starts with this. Well, it's something like, well, you know, discover your true passion. You you know, discover your, I mean, there's just so much hype around that stuff. And, you know, the two big myths around that is that, first of all, there are a lot, many, many, many wonderful, profitable, successful businesses that have nothing to do with your passion. Okay. I had a great career in the mining and metals business. Okay. Mining and metals was not my hobby. I loved my job. I love the people I work with. But I mean, you know, the, the, I, I was in sales selling aluminum packaging to Anheuser-Busch. They were making aluminum cans. You know, I would not name, if you looked at my list of passions, aluminum cans would not be in the top 100. But I had, you know, I fed my family. It was a great business, and I loved what I did. So a lot of this mythology, and then the other mythology is, well, I mean, let's say you love collecting Star Wars figurines. That doesn't mean you can make a profitable business out of that. So I think what you need to consider and explore. You need to look at things a number of different ways. You need to be known for something. You need to be known for knowing something. So in that regard, it is important to look at what do I love? what am, What is my experience? What are my passions? I think you have done an exceptional job at that. If you look at the two, two minute introductory video you created about yourself, It basically lays out for everyone, this is what I'm about. This is my voice. This is why I'm different. And I think people can then buy into that. I often talk to people about what is your only, can you finish this sentence, only I or only we. You can do that. You know what makes you different. You know, is it, is it someone's experiences? Is it their education? Is it their skills? Is it their network? Is it some uh, talent that they have? So, so you need to, to figure out not only what should you know be known for, but it also has to be scalable. You have to have a big enough audience out there that it makes a difference. It doesn't have to be a huge audience. But it has to be an audience big enough to achieve your goals. So here's why I, I love this question that you asked. Because so many questions I get asked, it all boils down to the same issue. People want to know, they ask me, how can I sell a book? How do I start a speaking career? How do I get to the next position in my company? Um, how do I you know start my own business? How do I get... Attention, so I can get a board position someday, or or be a teach, be invited to be a teacher or something. The answer to all of those questions is, you have to be known. You have to be known, and just saying, "Well, I know what my hobby is," that isn't enough. Whatever you're going to be known for, it it also has to intersect with an audience big enough to buy your books, to invite you to a speaking engagement, or to connect with the right business people that are going to hire you or promote you or invite you to a speaking engagement. So so that's where a lot of the self-help hype falls short. It's not practical. It's not actionable. It's not enough to know your interests and know your passions. It also has to intersect with underserved business needs. So that's what I'm going to be working on is how do we determine that intersection? That's step one, not easy. Step two, I believe strongly, is to create content that helps people that will get you to be known. So now you know, all right, this is my message. This is my voice. And also I wanna emphasize, that doesn't have to be perfect. You may be wrong, but take your best shot and start. And create content around that intersection and see what happens. And you know, my voice, that intersection for me, it changes every six months. It evolves. My tone, my voice, what I publish, it's different today than it was six months ago or a year ago. And so my my audience is evolving. I am evolving. I'm growing as a human. So it does so it doesn't have to be perfect, but take your best shot. And then I think you know, there, there also has to be the third step is to actively build an audience. A lot of people make the mistake, you know, create content and they will come. Isn't that enough that I've created something amazing and great? No, it's not. We live in this amazing world where we can actively find people and engage with people who have an opportunity to love us and know us. And create economic benefits from us so I think those are really the first three steps and that those are the steps I'm going to be exploring in this in this new book
0: cannot wait for that book now Mark
1: yeah I would <laughs> say March 2017
0: okay but I love why you just say something so liberating is freedom because you say yeah. you don't have to be perfect yeah because some of us we thought okay what if now i say i'm for this i'm solving this problem or i in a certain tone and then what if i got it wrong so that's such a now i myself feel much better
1: <laughs> yeah but i mean you can't you can't give up right away you know you need to give it a shot at least you know for a year or so and see what happens but if things aren't starting to click you know maybe after a year then but the, but the other thing that happens is if you start to create content and build an audience, the audience is going to give you feedback on the intersection. They're going to help you make that bigger and bolder and stronger.
0: So, Mark, would you mind share with us that you know? Do you have any fun moment or anything or even embarrassed moment that ever mm-hmm. occurred in this <laughs> journey? <laughs>
1: I literally have no fun.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) I have fun every day. I really do. I love what I do. I love doing things like this. This is my favorite part is getting, you know, to kind of know somebody a little bit on social media and then meet them, you know, in in person or face to face like this. I mean, it's really, you know, the best thing. I've had lots of embarrassing moments, but I can remember one of the first ones was – when twitter was starting to get really popular in 2009 it was being taken over by pornography spammers it almost died
0: wow. there was so
1: much spam so like by the summer of 2009 all these spammers were starting to figure out how they could you know it was free it was public you could connect with anybody and it was at a point where maybe 50% of my new followers were showing a body part other than their face. So I, I was very vigilant about getting rid of these spammers. And because I don't, you know, that's not me. I don't want that to be my brand. I wouldn't want someone to look at my, you know, public, Twitter followers and say, oh my gosh, all his followers are spam, they're fake. They're I just didn't want that. So I was actually very, very diligent about getting rid of these people. So one time this lady, this young woman came on the blog post and she left a comment and she said, I'm so disappointed. She said, because I'm a student at the university and I want to learn from you. And I want to follow you. And what did I do to deserve you blocking me? Well, sure enough, I went back. And this young woman, who was a student in England, was wearing a belly dancing outfit. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well, that's not real. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt terrible. I felt terrible that I, you know, because I do so much for students. You know, if someone is a student and they need a help, they need help on their paper, they want to interview me for their class project, I never say no, I no matter how busy I am, if I have to stay up all night long helping them, I never say no to students. And this young woman was so disappointed because I blocked her on Twitter. <laughs> So I learned I learned my lesson. I was humbled and I tried to be a little bit more careful about who I was blocking on Twitter.
0: Well, but Mark, oh, I mean, with all due respect, sometimes the dress code is hard to tell now. Well,
1: she she changed her picture. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I told her exactly why. And and she said, Well, you're right. That probably wasn't a professional picture.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, Mark, I'm I'm sure that you you created so much ripple effects. I'm not gonna say you create a lot of impacts. That's kind of the bottom line. You create so much ripple effects. So, would you mind share with us what is one of those godly MBA moments that you realize, whoa, my business, my success is way beyond just a business.
1: Well, I mean, that it happens every day. I mean, it really does. It happens every day. And when I started getting into the social media business, like around 2008, my blog really started taking off from the beginning. And when I first started my, my business, my entire office, I ran my entire business from a card table set up in a, uh, a bedroom. I mean, when I first started my business, we still had a house full of kids. Uh, I, had, I had just been remarried and had you know not only my two kids, but now two stepkids. I didn't have an office. We were jammed. And I had this card table set up in my bedroom. And I would be working at night and my wife would be tired and she would go to bed and I would still be working on this card table next to the bed. And I would be looking at the numbers and seeing how things were growing. And I would turn to her and I would just say, this can't be me. There's some, this is a path. This is the, really the Holy Spirit leading me and leading my business to something. I don't know what it is, but it's leading me to something bigger and something greater. And what it's leading me to is really my my audience, my social media audience, my blog audience is my mission field. It's my opportunity to show that we can live in a different way, that we can overcome the hate in this world. We can overcome the bullying in this world. I mean, I see heartbreaking stories of, of hate and tragedy that are caused by the web, that are caused by social media. And it doesn't have to be that way. All we can control is our own little world. But if we choose to live in a different way, show up in a different way, it only, you know, it starts with one person and then it's two people and then it's three people. And I've had so many people, you know, they, they, they write me, they call me. Some people even come to visit in my home because I've built this community and I've created this network of people who want to live in a different way they're tired of it they're exhausted by hate
0: yeah it's i so agree the other day when i saw that a heartbreaking story i think it's a 13 year old boy right he took his life my boy is 14 and i remember before we moved back to switzerland two years ago we were living in bangkok and he was bullied in that international school and we had to take action and and until we went to school, and i glad that that school dictates action, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. it, it's so it is so real. So when I saw that, it, it's so so close to home, mm-hmm. and and I think if each one of us choose to love, to respect mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. uh, regardless, and we we will have you know much less problem than now we're yeah. dealing with now.
1: And sometimes I go beyond just living it. I mean, sometimes I try to teach and be proactive about it. I'm writing a blog post this week about, you know, sometimes I see posts from comedians that demonize people. And it's just, it's, it's absolute hate and bullying. And yet somehow it's acceptable because they're, they're comedians, but it's not funny. It's hate. And I've seen, you know, these awful, awful, uh, you know, things that are being passed on the, the on the web it's being passed thousands and thousands of times and we're we're hiding behind these messages because it was created by somebody else. But we're spreading hate. We're spreading bullying. We're taking part in demonizing people and classes of people and religions and you know people who are have a different economic status. I want to challenge people to think, think about what you're reading. Think about before you share something on the web. You know, are you contributing to the problem? Are you contributing to uh, the hate in our world because somebody else said it and they're a comedian, so it must be okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. That kind of uh, wrap up is, is, we all have a responsibility, isn't it? As a marketer. In mm-hmm. that field, as uh, so we create content, not only create content, but sometimes we carelessly we share the content, yeah, and that can be contributing to some tragedies that we just we just experienced, yeah. So yeah, so but thank you so much, Mark, for today. Today episode is a true testament of love of uh, that uh, you just show that your generosity to all of us, that, uh, uh, you know, the role model basically. So uh, there is no words enough for me to say thank you.
1: Oh, that's very sweet of you. Well, thank you. You're also a role model uh, for me and for many other people. I just wanna encourage you to just, you know, keep doing what you're doing and uh, let me know what I can do to help and support you. And I'd love, you know, everyone listening in to stay in touch with me as well. You can find me on my website. It's hard to spell Schaefer. Not too many people can spell Schaefer. But everybody <laughs> can remember businesses grow. So if yeah. you can find businesses grow, you can find me. And you can find my blog and my podcast and my books. And stay in touch with me and say hello.
0: Yes, please do, uh, because we will actually uh, put all the details in the show notes. And also when the uh, episode go go live, we also put over in the social media platforms. So everybody, you need to get his books. And I'm so, I cannot wait for the new one to come. Really, Mark.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Mark. I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For all the information and Mark's info we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybother.com forward slash Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time. And we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Please share, subscribe, and give us your honest reviews on iTunes. So my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Again, all the goodies we mentioned during the show and my free gift to you is at katiebother.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.